950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Man McNeil Show. Of course, it's time for our requiem for the Vikings for their entire damn season. Michael Broadcorp is kind enough to join us. Of course, he's got his great podcast. He is an expert in uh, politics from the Republican side here in the state of Minnesota, and he's also a huge fan of the Vikings. He's been with us all season long, and he's kind enough to join us today. Hi, Michael. How are you, sir? I'm I'm glad we had the time to wait a week because of the 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 t- time I took off. I'm glad we were we we're doing it today because it it is nice to get a little time between that final game against at Detroit and and today. It it doesn't you know I it doesn't feel as dirty. How about I say it like that? <laughs> That's a great way. I, I, you know, misery does love company. It was nice to have a little separation. And I always, as you know, Max, I'm a glass half full guy. I always like to be positive. And so it's good to have a little bit of separation between when I have to discuss it because I get to be a little bit more optimistic about the conversation. Vikings social media, uh, Vikings fans on social media, the, the, the great debate that started in the last week is the Kirk Cousins question. Um, that, that do, you, do you keep him? Do you sign someone else? I mean, if you're going with someone in the draft, you're looking at a, a multi-year project. Uh, if you're signing someone else, you already have a system in place. I am I am interested in finding out what your thoughts are because, once again, this is going to be the big question that hangs over this team until it's decided one way or the other. Well, let me start off by saying there's, some again, some gossip uh, on social media about Russell Wilson, uh, the Broncos, things like that. I'm going to just say to you, I am still of the opinion that Cousins is the way to go. It just is what I think this franchise needs right now, just to kind of stabilize it a bit. I think the general consensus amongst all kind of everyone that I've been been listening to and following, what the Vikings need to tackle first is that quarterback position. And I think that if Cousins comes back, is in a position to be healthy and to perform where he was, um, we're looking at an entirely different season. I absolutely believe the Vikings make the playoffs It's Cousins. Cousins is is there. I think the Vikings are in a strong position, and so while it was a while it was a very very ugly season in terms of the roller coaster of, of emotions and all that type of stuff, I think stabilizing that position, I think going with Cousins is where they need to go. I you want to know the truth? I agree with you, and I come at it from the the logic point of view that if, okay, if you bring in now Russell Wilson, I think you and I both are like okay, no. Uh, but say there yeah. was there there was a top notch quarterback that was available, and you bring them in. Your system is right now set up for Cousins and his style of QBing. That means you you are looking at a, a major overhaul, and, and a good quarterback can deal with what he's got. But it's still going to you're going to have to some shift some things around. You're going to have to change some things around. If you go with a rookie out of the draft, I mean, we just saw with the, the three-headed monster that was our quarterback core on the last few weeks of the season that even with good receivers like Jefferson and Addison out there, it, it doesn't really matter if the quarterback can't get the ball to them. And so I, I think that, you know, if Cousins and – and here's the big stipulation. You know, obviously he has to go through the health protocol. If he comes on out, they say, yep, he's healed. He can do it. I I just can't think of a better – I mean, you're still designed for Kirk Cousins to run that team. It doesn't mean – I mean, it obviously wakes you up and saying within two, three years we have to have a different guy in here. But I I, I still am of the mindset if, if he's healthy, Cousins is the path of least resistance. Correct. 
Correct. You said it better than I did, and that's where I think we need to go. That's legitimately where I think we go. And I think I think we've been fair throughout the season. Once Cousin went down, we looked at it a variety of scenarios. But I just think this is the most the most realistic and also credible path for how the Vikings resolve this quarterback um, issue that they need to deal with coming into this postseason. You also have to deal with the running back situation because you pretty much look at the remaining teams left in the playoffs. They've got good running games, and you've got a non-existent one. I would much rather look at trying to get a running back because there's a decent chance a running back might fall to you. The, the The second or third best running back might fall to you at your draft position as opposed to a quarterback, and I think that that, you know, it's uh, that that running game is a mess, and they've got to fix that as well. No, you're no, you're absolutely right. That's one of the one of the needs, also that the Vikings need to fill. They just they just haven't had you know that running back position. Um, there, there wasn't uh, it just wasn't a good season to fill that. You know, Todd Chandler um, was just inconsistent this season, and we have to figure out what they're going to do in that position. We haven't had a good fill in that spot since. I mean, this is the first season with Dalvin Cook on. And we haven't been able to fill that position with the consistency that we've had before. So those are those are big shoes to fill. Those are big spots to fill uh, in the offensive package is both the quarterback and the running back position where they need to focus. Uh, we are in the playoffs. So I'm going to get your thoughts here. I mean, okay, the, well, the, we're not in the playoffs. No, we're not. We're watching the playoffs. <laughs> we are. We are. We are mere observers. Uh, That's right. The, the 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 biggest thing I noticed in that first weekend of playoff games was the narrative the NFL has sold us that by far the toughest, the meanest, the hardest division in football, the NFC East, was absolute garbage. And by all means, the NFC North is probably the best division that is at least playing right now because both the Packers and the Lions did win. Uh, yes, uh, on uh, the weekend. Yeah, they did. They did. And and I and I have to say this, um, boy, is my blood boiling about the Green Bay Packers. Um, I can let the lot. I said before, and I said it on your your show, Matt, that the Lions I consider to be the most dangerous team in the playoffs right now. Um, I got to tell you something. The Buccaneers uh, have shown some real life by knocking off the Eagles, which was not a small task. But boy, oh boy, those those pesky Packers just continue to find ways to survive. And here's if I just may go on a little bit of a a rant about the Packers. They're the youngest Please. team right now in the playoffs. <laughs> they're, they're the youngest team in the playoffs right now, so they're they're not going anywhere for a while. They got Jordan Love, and and now they've locked themselves in to another quarterback position. I mean, what what what, he, what the Packers did to the Cowboys was just was just was just astounding, and you could just see, even from the distance, Jerry Jones just getting more and more agitated during that game went on. And, and I'm sorry, I can share the frustration as a Vikings fan. What is like to sit there and watch the Packers just run over you? But boy, the Packers once again, my hatred of them comes from their continued success. Uh-huh. Particularly at that quarterback position, uh, Jordan Love is not as good as he looks. Dak Prescott looked worse than he was. So let's you know before yes. before we start elevating them up, you know, because there has been a few people that are like they've got the next MVP for the next twenty years. Oh please, uh, they're going to get annihilated by the San Francisco 49ers. And I mean, I, well, I, let's I hope I, so. I just cannot see that game being even close. 
I mean, that the 49ers team is 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 very legit. Uh, and and I think yeah, by the means Tampa Detroit's gonna be a fun game on the AFC side. Baltimore hosts Houston. I can't see them not winning that game. And then the the most fun game is this Kansas City at Buffalo game. I think that's gonna be a hoot. That's right. And just to go back to the Packers game for a second, I was in Lambeau a year ago yes. when Aaron Rodgers threw his last pass, and I listened as my wife and I were driving back from Green Bay. We were listening to the to the commentary on air. The people just just being very frustrated about 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 Rodgers and potentially him leaving, and also can, a lot of concerns and questions about where Jordan Love is going to be. I don't think that a lot of people thought that that the Packers could go into 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 Dallas with they've had such a strong record at home this past season. Um, they have been a little bit of there has been a little bit of curse in the playoffs, but putting up that amount of points, nearly fifty points against the Cowboys was no small feat. And so I do think that San Francisco is a strong team. We'll see what happens uh, on, we'll see what happens this weekend. But I got to tell you, um, my concern is that my frustration with the Packers is only going to grow (laughs) because I, I just think that they're continuing in that quarterback position. Boy, oh boy, they're lucky out at that quarterback position. Dallas didn't adjust. And I mean, I, I and once they got down, they got frustrated, they got angry, and they didn't adjust. I mean, it, it's it, it, McCarthy. I, I think should probably be let go down there. Uh, that being said, okay, so really quick, because well, the next time we'll talk to you about football is around the Super Bowl. So who, what is the Super Bowl matchup in your mind going to be? I think there's a good chance that it could be. Uh, I think it's going to be either the Lions or the 49ers. And I think it's going to be most likely the Ravens or the R- Ravens or the Chiefs. Okay. Uh, I think I think it's I think there's a very likely if I was I think it could be Ravens 49ers. Boy, that would be a great Super Bowl. But my goodness, if the Packers make it in, uh, you might not be speaking to me that week. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, so give me all right. Give me your Super Bowl matchup. Just I'm going to put you on the spot. A Super Bowl matchup, and then who the, who's the team that's going to win it? in right now, and we'll we'll go we'll go with this up to after the Super Bowl. Ravens 49ers. Ravens win. All right, I I'm with you. I just I think those two teams are just better than everyone else, and I agree. I think the Ravens. I think the Ravens are a good team. And uh, they they with, with Jackson they they taught him to stop worrying about his fantasy football stats and start trying to win games and guess what all of a sudden they're they are the powerhouse that they always thought they were going to be with him so I think it's going to be the Baltimore Ravens winning their second one. Wow, there you fantastic! Go. Well, let's I'm with you on the Green Bay. All right, since I got you and we just had the Iowa caucus yesterday, um, you, you just your I mean it is such a. It's not a bellwether. It's a you know it's fifty six thousand Republicans in Iowa. It's you know it's it's a relatively small turnout. It's a caucus style. Yet you know Donald Trump does win. He does win handily down there. Uh, I think that has far more to do with his competition than the popularity of Trump, though. I, I really do think that you know Nikki Haley and DeSantis are just not resonating as much as is you know candidates have in the past. Correct. I will say to you that Trump. I have been saying for quite some time, I've been raising this concern since nearly since since last year, raising the concern that I believe that it was going to be Trump, that it was going to be Trump that won this. And I think that was the, re- the reality that hit last night. I think he's a runaway train right now. I don't think there's anything. And I say that as someone who didn't support him in 16 and 20. And so I don't want it to be the case, but that's where I think it is. 
And I think last night was a was a reality, a splash of cold water uh, in in the uh, faces of some people who have who've questioned whether he can do that. I just think that it's going to be Trump. And I was surprised. I was not surprised that he won. I was surprised that he got over 50 percent. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised by the margin that he had over DeSantis. His, that was the largest win in the I think in, on the Republican side in Iowa caucus history. Yes, it was the re- Donald Trump's victory last night. And so that can't be that can't be overlooked. Now, the other thing I would say is this, if somebody would have told me last week that Donald Trump would have won 98 of the 99 counties uh, in the state of Iowa, I, I would have been a little surprised by that margin. But I still think it's just the, where the state of the race is. Donald Trump is the clear front runner to win the nomination. And I would say right now, what Republicans should be looking at right now is they should be focused less on the nomination schedule and more on the criminal schedule, because it's, that's going to have more of an impact in the race right now is mapping out these things, because I don't know how that stops. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you stop that momentum. And this is, this is a situation, Matt, that, that you know happened in 16, uh, that, that people kept saying, look, people are going to wake up. People are, this, this isn't going to happen. This isn't going to happen. The trajectory is the same. Mm-hmm. Donald, Trump's, Donald Trump won a cross-section of Iowa that when I saw some initial counties come in, I said to someone, I said, look, I said, you could call it for Trump right now. And a few minutes later, some outlets did, which is a, which is a different story in and of itself. But the, the, the pockets of strength where he had, where he gained in terms of where he was in 16, this race, Donald Trump has more strength right now than he had in 16. He is running like he is. He's running like he's an, like he's an incumbent, like he's an incumbent. That's in essence how he's running. And that's, that's very significant and very problematic for anyone who's running against him right now. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is that what the, the only hurdles that I think are going to be put in his place is what happens when these criminal trials start to happen and if he faces a conviction. Where does that start to balance some things out? Uh, I think Nikki Haley, DeSantis, I think, is done. I just don't see how his path at this point. Nikki Haley, of course, South Carolina coming in third. I was just down there, and I talked to some Republicans in the most most Democratic-leaning district, the Nancy, uh, Nancy Mace district down there. And even though that's Nikki Haley's dist- state of the, and once again, non-scientific at all, half the people I talked to who are, who are Republicans have said that they're voting for Trump over Nikki Haley. And and I and I and I just say, I mean, it might get close, but I think if if Trump beats Nikki Haley in South Carolina, then officially it is over because there's just no other way that this is going to happen. Correct. And one of the things that people need to remember is that this is, and this happens sometimes. It's not Nikki Haley's. It's not Nikki Haley, South Carolina. It's not where she's just coming from, and, and that happens sometimes. You know, it happens sometimes when there's an expectation that people win these home states that they can put them over the top, and that's just not how it happens. Let's remember, Al Gore lost the state of Tennessee in 2000. Had he won his home state, he would have been president of the United States. And so Nikki Haley, uh, it's not a, it, people shouldn't be banking on Nikki Haley to, to come out on top in South Carolina. I think based on the polls, I think most people would be surprised. I think what she needs to do is she needs to have a very, very strong showing in New Hampshire and then start to build some momentum. The reality is this, is that the only candidate that I think has a, that can run the full cycle and go from race to race, go from contest to contest, 
caucus to primary all across the country is the former president. And this New Hampshire is, is, is going to be a spot where she's going to have, uh, have to have a strong stand a week from today, Matt, this yeah. time a week from now, uh, this race could, could ostensibly be much more farther along with Trump. We've only so far, only 40 delegates have been allocated. Trump's only got 20. I think there's 22 in New Hampshire. So very early stages, not a lot of delegates, but this could be over relatively quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I don't think Dean Phillips is going to last past New Hampshire either. So we're, we're going to be done there. All right. Uh, Michael, as always, I'll tell you what, I'll have you on for politics here because we've got to talk about some retirements that are going on here. I'll have you on for politics before too long. Michael Broadcorp. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate throughout the season, your coverage of the Vikings. And I hope to be back next season, Matt. You will be back. It has been shockingly popular to talk this once in a while. You're back next year, my friend. We're doing it again. Thank you, sir. That's all I needed. You got it. Michael Broadcorp, kind enough to join us. We'll take a break. Come on back. Wrap up the show for a Tuesday. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950.